0: Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. That's me. And I'm Blake Howard, head of One Heat Minute Productions and the guy behind shows such as One Eight Minute, Increment Vice, All The President's Minutes and more.
1: And more, including Josie and the Podcats, a six-part limited podcast series about the 2001 cult film Josie and the Pussycats, which we worked on together.
0: But we're not here to talk about that today. Today, we're here to break down the latest chapter from It Came From The Deep.
1: Welcome to It Came From The Deep, the narrative audio podcast based on my novel, my novel, Marie Lewis, that's me, Um, based on my novel, It Came From The Deep. This week is a special ep. It's just, Blake's not going to be joining us, but we have someone filling his shoes. We mentioned her back in, I believe, episode. Maybe episode four when we're talking about dirty herbs, <laughs> dirty IVs, and surf sports and different instincts people have when covering stories and how that kind of stuff works. And so lucky to have her on the show this week, Kate Zerny. Welcome to It Came From The Deep. Well, again,
2: straight away, just offended by dirty herbs, which <laughs> you've said to me forever.
1: Which was so funny because you sent me a. I, mean, I first heard it from you. Firstly, is where I heard it from. I heard it from you. But um, you sent me a, a really nice message that was like. So I started listening, and you started talking about dirty herbs, and then I was really fucking offended, and then you said some nice stuff. So thanks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so it was a, started with offended, and then rapped me like said really nice stuff. And
1: yeah. Was like, oh oh <laughs> shit! That's nice because. Kate and I used to work together at the Gold Coast Bulletin as I was a reporter and Kate was a photographer but we also knew each other through surf club world of which is super fucking relevant to the story because so much of the shit that I saw and that Kate experienced and that most people who are in that world um have experience of one way or the other is the inspiration for the book and the inspiration for some of the events that take place so you're like really the perfect guest for the show because you straddle the line between some of the journalism stuff but also some of the surf club stuff as well. Well, yeah, I,
2: I always try and figure out who you're talking about when you're facing <laughs> these characters. So I'm <laughs> going to be like, oh, could it be that person? Could it be that person? And being at events where there has been uh, deaths happen mm. and I was there for those ones. And then I think I was listening to the... The episode outside the hospital. Yeah. Just the other day. The I was fucking like, media yeah, stakeout. Love it. Feels love authentic,
1: it. right? Yeah. It is so weird because it's such a specific world. And so when you're trying to explain that stuff, it's like this is an experience that 0.00001% of the population have had. So you need to explain it in a way that feels realistic and authentic because most people reading it will be like, oh, this is like such hyper. Hyper realism bullshit, but it's real. Like, we've done that. We've done the stakeout out at the hospital, or like, you know, some person who's the front page story or whatever, and you gotta like fucking bang on the well, I didn't do that, but you know, you gotta like bang on the window or whatever and try and get a photo or something. I didn't do that and get yelled at for doing that shit because I'm like, ew, that's not classy. I don't want to do that. I'll no, find I another snake.
2: I would have gone around <laughs> onto the beach. Because 100% on those mansions, you'd be able to see into their place from the beach. See, just listeners, just on the this around. is
1: why you want Kate on the show. Okay, so hypothetically, if you had to get that shot, of you had to get a shirt of Kaya, her dad getting in the shot is obviously the money shot because he's the most famous member of the family. If you did get Storm, that's a bonus. But ideally, you want Kaya and the fucking Casey in the same frame. You would. That's how you would have done it? You oh, definitely. To do. Those
2: mansions are like, yeah, they've got... Um, like walls on the front from the street. You can't see it.
1: It's fully locked off in the prison.
2: To the beach. Yeah. So most of those places are all glass at the front. And you you wouldn't be able to walk through that mansion without being seen from the sun. And it's public space.
1: Public space, you can't lock people off. It's truly like a thoroughfare because there's always people walking up and down that strip from like Miami to surface and back again. I that's why I never wanted to live in those mansions because I was like you never know like literally you never know when the lights are on inside and it's dark outside you don't know who's looking in on you there's no security yeah but you're living in that mansion on the beach no nah, fuck that I'd rather stay unmurdered to be h but that's just you can't me a murder fetish nah <laughs> just like I'm just like trying to stay alive out here see I'm just there going yeah no worries yeah
2: I'm let's a go. Go a run with my headphones on. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Living on the edge. Yeah, yeah. You're literally living on the edge. Uh, Top Gun style. Living on the edge. Um, But Kate, you're also one of my very first readers. Like back when I worked at The Bully and was writing Who's Afraid and printing off that manuscript <laughs> on the News Limited printers and stuff at night because I was yeah. terrified of getting hacked and the only backup I had was on the sloppy disc. Um, You were some the first, one of the first people to read... That manuscript, but also to read. You've read early drafts of every single one of my books, including ones that haven't been published. Like you're actually make-
2: concerned. I'll have to now that I've got to re-read the third book because I did read an iteration of Who's Still Afraid. Yeah, it's pretty different. It's pretty different. Mm. But I think I've got to go back and read one and two because I guarantee from where I read them to actually being published, it's probably heaps different. Yeah, heaps, and heaps different. Remember it. Was so
1: long ago. You deliver a draft and about 70, oh, let's say about 80% of what's there will stay once you deliver it to a publisher and about 20% will change. And that's either a suggestion from the editors or that's a character problem or it's like a, a plot hole that's, you know something that's just like oh fuck how did I miss that you know that's why it's that's why you need multiple sets of eyes on it because it's just stuff that you miss and so stuff changes and often every time actually I will say that change is for the better it makes the story better it strengthens it, it adds something to it some of the people's favorite things from my books have been things that have been added in that additional 20 percent but you've also read my books before they've even been submitted to the publisher. So there's you've read like... Who's afraid to sit on the Gold Coast? I know! Oh my that God! That was read of it. What year would that be? Oof. 2008,
2: maybe? No, I think I read three versions before you even...
1: Fuck! Um, I totally forgot about to that. Uh, That's right. Yeah, sit on the Gold oh Coast. Oh my God. OG origin story. Yeah, yeah see, but that worked because... I so Matthew Riley, for people who don't know, he writes a lot of books that like your dad loves. Ice Station, for example, the Scarecrow series, a lot of action adventure kind of books. And um he had given me some really good advice uh, in the process of when I was like figuring out who's afraid, and he suggested that I change the setting from being set in Australia to change it to set some internationally. Because he said Australian publishers don't wanna publish Australian genre stories. He was right, this is still the case. This was over ten years ago now, but he was fucking on the money. And international publishers still think of Australia as too inaccessible. Now that's changed a little bit, that's why there's like later books of mine that have sent in Australia and it's not a big deal. Back then it was a big deal. You know, this is the noughts. So from like two thousand and five to two thousand and ten in that stretch of when I was Figuring out how and who and all of how that was going to work. Anyway, so I changed it from being set on the Gold Coast to being set in Scotland's Gold Coast of Dundee. But all these, like, geographical things and little quirks of the Gold Coast that I loved and, like, pathways and lanes and things that and, like, creepy bits of the Gold Coast and sleazy bits of the Gold Coast that you want to put in a story and then I had to take them all out. Those are like, that's all the good shit that I got to save up for put into this one. Yeah, and it worked in a better way too because the main characters involved in circle. Well, like Legacy. It was about Gold Coast. Then. Exactly. It, was, it, Rather was it than, wasn't a
2: werewolf from New Zealand, it was. Yeah. To be know, honest, Who's afraid, afraid
1: could have been set almost anywhere. You know, it was yeah. like it could be a story that was supplanted anywhere. It worked better, it being set in Dundee than on the Gold Coast, but it came from the deep as like. Yeah,
2: it has to be. It has to be Gold it's
1: got to be a Gold Coast story. But as a clubby and a Gold Coasty, um, Gold Coast G, Gold yeah. Well, that's what we're doing. We're not going like very GC. None of that bullshit. None of that tourism campaign. Sorry, guys. Um, when you're reading this book, does it represent a version of the Gold Coast that you recognise? And keep in mind, like the version of the Gold Coast you recognise is very different from what. Oh,
2: and you're heaps more cynical about the
1: Gold
2: Coast. <laughs> yeah, heaps more cynical. Jono, baby, Gold you've Coast seen people. all this shit. But um, definitely the uh, the B grade celebrity. Um, type uh, I won't mention names but there was someone in the watch house that said don't you know who I am
1: <laughs> oh my god I know who you're talking about <laughs> That's a
2: great
1: the watch house is where you get put in police lockup overnight yeah. um just for, for those of you who don't know
2: <laughs> yeah, I, think the pol- I can't remember what the policeman said back to her but it was it was a Epic bird. it oh, was so fucking good.
1: Straight back at her face. That, but that is so Gold Coast, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. big fish, small pond shit. hundred percent.
2: So that sort of thing. And then just the um, paparazzi, like the stuff yeah. that, like, it's pretty dirty, some of the stuff they used to make us do. Oh.
1: If you ever got on a job with Kate, listeners, just so you know, and like I've had, obviously we had Hayley on a few episodes ago talking about you know, going out to jobs and how it would work with different photographers and stuff. But Kate was always someone you'd be like, oh, fuck yeah, Kate's on a job. Because not only was she a really great photographer and a really great action photographer, like someone who could work really well in motion as events were happening, but she had journal instincts. And that's the difference between like photography and photojournalism is you need to know like not just what you're taking a photo of, but the context of why and where to be and what's important and you know should get numbers and sources and names for you just from eavesdropping and listening to people like really fucking valuable shit, but also had a lot of great contacts within the community. Like I don't know this person, but I know someone who might know that person and just like really base, like trade craft stuff that was really useful. But um, we can cut this out if, if, if it's like, something you don't know talk about, but when you're just saying about the paparazzi thing, was it you who, like, Owen Wilson charged yeah. that at Pack Fair? Yeah,
2: he hit me like three times. He slammed me into a drink machine.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> fo- I just had, like, the <laughs> most, the weirdest visceral memory of that. But, like, of where well, he was dating Kai- Kate Hudson and they yeah. were here for gold? No, uh, Fool's goal. Fool's Which Gold. I also snuck onto that film
2: set in the middle of the night, too. Yeah, I, I, got, like, I got
1: escorted off the Narnia film set because I paddled onto it. Because <laughs> they swatting. were filming at the Love Seaway. Yeah. I mean, they don't know, and every 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 crewy is like a Gold Coast person anyway, so they don't fucking know. But yeah, Narnia was shooting on the seawall, and paddled in. I paddled in. I got yeah. out my surf ski. It's so good. <laughs> put my little camera down my top, and then paddled out around the seawall, and then I got escorted away by the water police. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud. I was trying yeah. to get into the film round. I wanted out of police, and I was just like, guys, I will do. So this was on your day off. Yeah. See I
2: didn't, I didn't do that, nah, that. That's, yeah, no. that's next level
1: That's all that stuff You know <laughs> I really had to But so okay wait, wait, What happened They went to the movies At Pac-Fair How I did was, you know They were going to Pack fair Or they'd gone, in, gone in tip and Got a attempt i you been chasing were... her all day
2: Because right. there was no one had They hadn't confirmed Their relationship um, mm. And they He'd snuck into And there was just reports I stayed at Versace
1: yeah, and I was Which is a hotel in the Gold Coast for those of you who don't know.
2: And then we, we knew that it was an official screening of their what they'd shot so far. Mm. Um, so exactly. Matthew McConaughey was there, Yeah, um, Donald Sutherland gave me a big smile, yeah. said hello. I love that. Um, love him. All that sort of stuff. Like, he was beautiful. And so we're just waiting for for them to arrive mm. to get that shot of them. Um, unfortunately they were like forty minutes late. The the thing had started. Mm. So I was on my phone, two clackers, mm. on the phone to the boss, with him <laughs> saying, all right, give it up. Yeah. As they walked towards me.
1: Fucking clackers. And I went,
2: I was like, dropped my phone, picked yeah. up a camera, yeah. took some shots. They'd seen me before that happened. So yeah. they were holding hands when yeah. I first saw them. Oh, no. So unfortunately, the shot. yeah, complete epic, epic failure. And... I was sort of yeah, flush and yeah. in face. Yeah, because it was
1: so. Was that up on the top of Pack Fair? Yeah, top, yeah top And top of so you've got to go up that stairs. And then we went inside. Yeah, that's and where I always he, used to park for the cinemas.
2: in the in his face, getting and he, he shoved the camera into my face. and fell backwards. Oh. And so I went again, and he shoved me again, and then the third time he lined me up hip and shoulder <coughs> thing into a drinks machine, and so the there. She sees it. Um, what journal was it uh heather
1: oh yep 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 <laughs> yeah yep, yep.
2: yeah and then um happened to be a couple of my mates had heard Matthew kind was going to be there yeah and they came down and were watching so the three of my friends saw him like smash me they were like oh my god what is your job oh, <laughs> so, No way. and then like the next oh day my- i was getting phone calls from every radio station yeah because it, it, it was it was huge. the front
1: page story yeah. Um, I remember I remember the image, like, super fucking clearly. Yeah. So, it was pretty, pretty out there. I've always
2: liked Donald Wilson.
1: Yeah. Some movies Yes, stuff, yes. fuck. How so do you go watching now? Owen Wilson movies now? I mean, uh, did he
2: fucking... A little bit less trauma than I used to. It's not so <laughs> bad anymore. <laughs> but, uh... Otherwise, the girls were just like, we hate him now.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, he had a pretty rough go- That relationship ended pretty badly. And- the flick side is, I think it was like... Only a couple of weeks
2: later, Hugh Jackman was um, going to a bachelor party for his (laughs) trainer or Mm. something like that. And we got the tip off and me and the Sunday Mail were literally standing in the dark at Marina Mirage on a boat, like on Mm. a jetty. Mm. We were told he was going to come down there. And so like he saw us in the dark Mm. and then flash, 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 flash. And he's just like, hey guys, how are you? Smiled at us said thanks for coming and then kept going and I was just like oh my god that's that's how he's a fucking movie
1: star that's why I love you nicest guy
2: truly I jumped out of the dark with a full-on flash (laughs) on the marina yeah you could
1: be a merman for all he knew dude
2: it was there was two cameras and a journal and we were just he said thank you and smiled at us
1: what a legend (laughs) truly what a legend um Fuck, I don't even know how we got onto this topic from the moment and stuff.
2: Oh, paparazzi. (laughs) Oh, yeah, paparazzi. Yeah,
1: but also from clubby stuff because you are, how many, is it like world medals you have? Australian medals? Yeah. um, Just so you can, you can flex. She's a, Kate's just like, no big deal. But just like has a few world medals and like Australian medals and stuff for um, IRB racing, (laughs) (laughs) floatable rescue boat. Uh, Yeah, dirty Irving. (laughs) She's an award-winning dirty Irving. Mm. But in terms of um, popular culture that represents surf life saving, with the exception of Cooler Ghetto Gold, the movie, which is. I love it. Do you really? I love it. Do you really? Yeah. Do you love it? You can it? do
2: it. You can win the
1: Cooler Getter Gold. <laughs> Steel springs! Isn't that so? Like yes! <laughs> right. I was about to ask, do you love it because it's oh, so kitsch? It. Yes. And then you started dropping the dialogue, and so that makes perfect yes. sense. There's fraction too much friction. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: remember not a song from it. One of the lifeguards I used to work oh, with just used to drop in on the radio with a quote from Cooling
1: Out a Girl. I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate it. I just, I feel like. If that's the one movie we have about the sport, we can do better. You know what yeah, I mean?
2: Yeah, 100%. It's so bad. But it's so bad it's come around again, I reckon.
1: Yeah. Okay. You I reckon? Yeah. yeah. I. If you've never seen Cooling Out of Gold, you can rent it on YouTube for three ninety nine. I wouldn't advise that. Kate that's would. The,
2: no, it's, I wouldn't pay for
1: it. You wouldn't pay? You wouldn't no, rent it? No. <laughs> You might, you know what, you might be able to find it on YouTube. It's exactly the kind of movie that people rip and put on YouTube yeah. and it won't get taken down because nobody cares about infringing on that copyright. But um, in terms of like surf life saving represented in popular culture, has that been something that you felt like is an untapped sort of goldmine in terms of, you know, the sport is very physical, so it makes for great action, but the stakes are also incredibly high in a way that's quite rare for competitive sports
2: i grew up in the the serial wars time of it though like when i was the serial like, wars yeah serial wars like it was
1: okay explain you know firstly like, explain okay. what that means for so, people there
2: was i think the original iron man series was a nutrient iron man series yeah. and then there was a i don't know exactly how it happened i was only about like maybe 10 11 12 13 when this is happening and there was a breakout series and they became the uncle toby series and then that became all the the better guys went to the autotobi series and then the autotobi series but these guys were making like i remember Wesberg saying one time when he was in like year 12 he was making more than his teachers hmm. like it was a genuine professional sport then and there wasn't on just TV, one professional
1: per like there wasn't it wasn't, ju- it wasn't just forty was guys on the series and that and they pool. were all yeah.
2: making a living yeah like you've got, Kai was 16 when he started doing mm. it and would have been making more than mm. like his parents or whatever. And like, it was a genuine, there was these heroes on TV. You could watch it on a Saturday. They played at places like Portsea with massive surf. Ugh. It was so exciting to watch when it was in its at its height back then.
1: I remember the ads that they would have on TV for mm. it. And it would, it would be like a big roar, release, like, roar! Yeah. and then they'd freeze frame it. And then it would yeah. like, you know, segment out. It was fucking the production on that. Like yeah. I would love like a last dance style sports documentary on that era. That,
2: those guys. Yeah. yeah. You would have had to get the yeah. of those guys. Cause like, I, I, would I, would also, like the big, like, yeah. The stories Leachy tells of oh, that time. do uh, Epic.
1: And also just like the production of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody had a vision. For how that sport could look and how those people could look, and they like, executed it in a way that made the sport exciting. That it's never gotten to those heights again, you um, know.
2: It's Well, it's coming back to Channel Nine this year. Is it? It's well, it got cancelled because of COVID the right. first round, but it's going to be live on Channel Nine on both days of the weekend.
1: Fascinating. So they're
2: trying to fascinating trying to bring it back.
1: That's really interesting because I back. I think that's the big thing is like. You can't put that shit down to 45 minutes. No. And like, you m- I remember, I think it was Channel 7 were doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. They were trying to condense it into like a 45 minute broadcast. So they were cutting bits of it. But that's part of the excitement of it is surf is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And like someone you can... you put it at
2: the big surf features though that's the exciting
1: part no um, more yeah sorry could you you gotta go mate <laughs> you gotta go a two foot shore break isn't interesting like you've got to put it oh, portsy for sure portsy p hard you remember do you ever see that one yes they because being like a, a foot surf being a kiwi it was, it was like that was always the one you watched and like there were a few kiwi people belinda i can't remember her last name but she was like, New Zealand's Carla Gilbert. But mm-hmm. she was the one I was super excited about because the Kiwis all got to wear black and white. Yeah, they and the wore, silver they ferns, silver fern. yeah. Just like the All Blacks. So I was like, oh my God, they're like the All Blacks of the sea. You know, I was like, where's the Jono Lomo fucking surf ski paddling? Amazing. But at Piha I remember just like what a few of those broadcasts and just like feeling fear through oh, the man.
2: screen. It was so big.
1: Insane. And saying that nobody just died. A
2: couple of years ago, of one of the guys who was in that series and paddling out, and he's telling me a story about another guy who was in there who was crying during the race, and he said he paddled past him laughing and straight into this ten foot body and he was he was crying in the short in the in the waves so horrible. I'll tell
1: you after who those two okay. are. Okay, yeah, 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 please. <laughs> Guess who don't sue. Um, yeah. but that's the fucking, that is the conflict of personalities in the sport, mm. though. Is oh, there are the people who I are like...
2: Because you will be like, yes. I, I see it. I this. see it. No,
1: but there's like, there's people who just have a screw loose, and are like, yeah. ha ha ha, oh, that's I'm that's on that's it. it. And then there's other people who are like, I genuinely know how dangerous this is, and I've seen people die doing this, and we're on fucking fiberglass Boards paddling the ski is the into worst. it. The skis. You the can't worst. get away. Like that's
2: okay. So say what you will about crazy, dirty I.R.B. drivers. I can drive away from the wave. You have a motor. I have complete control over what I hit and how hard I hit it. Obviously, Blake's mate doesn't have, realize that he's got <laughs> that control. Yeah. Look, um, that
1: that mate wasn't a world champion <laughs> I.R.B. driver. Suffice to say, but so,
2: but I can always get away Mm. there's always a way to get out through surf because i've got the power to get away from it being on a surf ski in that sort of surf is next level crazy to me
1: it's insane i remember um so i was swimming was always my weak leg that was always my weakest leg and i used to fucking hate swimming training i still hate it now like I, i do it because i'm just like trying not to die but, like, I'm just, you know, trying to, like, add some different types of anabolic fitness to my schedule. I fucking hate it. And I'm miserable for every second I'm in that pool. But especially in the context of am Woman training, you had to do it. You really had to do it. Every leg had to be strong, even though you had your yeah. legs that you were better at. I was always better at craft. I had to work on my transitions. My transitions were okay, but they were never amazing. You know, like, I was a, a little more of a long-distance runner than a sprinter and so between each leg you do a leg like a swim or a board or a ski and then you have to run between markers to the next leg and vice versa and depending on the conditions that might be a lot of running or might be a little bit of running so running I had to work on that was fine um and swimming I fucking hated but I was always good with waves. so if there was surf I was always better but craft was my strongest leg and it was board like so you're on a paddle board but then when you got over 16, they introduced surf ski. And that didn't used to be a leg that you would do as women. And then they started introducing it for women as well. And ski became my strongest leg because it was just basically like, what if board but bigger? And you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, that's amazing. Look
2: at me, I have shoulders. I can yes, take
1: the ski. exactly. And the ski was interesting because a lot of people who used to compete in the ski leg were people who were genuinely doing it in the off season of olympic kayaking you know they were looking to qualify for the olympics for k1 and k2 um, and all the different stuff so they were doing ski as a bit of like cross training in a way and the surf ski people we were just doing it because that's just one of the legs, legs that you had to do way. right so when it was flat you would always get annihilated by the K1 and K2 And the best you could do is hope to get a little bit on their wash and try and keep up. Those are always really good training opportunities because you're like, they had explosive speed and you were just like, can I get to that level? But the second there was anything over two foot, it got really interesting because that was not um, an area that anybody who was Olympic kayaking was great at because it wasn't just about there are waves that you have to get through, but it's like trying to keep those things straight and they're long and they're hollow and they have a bow like a boat. They're ridiculous. A
2: cr- they're a ridiculous piece of like surfing. You
1: have to blow they're them. They're not
2: like, designed for <laughs> I don't understand why I keep putting them in there.
1: Because it's fucking amazing <laughs> to watch. But they're like my
2: favourite event at the Australian Titles
1: to photograph is? Don't you say under 16 ski. Under
2: 17 women
1: ski. Oh, <laughs> you fucking <say> this. <laughs> it's so good. If there's a wave on... Oh garbage. mate, the first um is this the first Australian medal I ever got was in ski and it was because there was surf on. Like that was that was just if there was surf on on ski you knew like half the field's gone. Yeah. Just yeah. half the field's gone. In the women's
2: when they're when they're young, for sure. Yeah, they're and and,
1: es- and especially if you know how to read the surf as well, because it's like if there's sidewash coming. You know that you need to position into the sidewash and then you need to be able to position back. You need to be able to read when the sets are. Because if you're like, oh, sick, yeah, there's a lull and you start charging it, but you're only halfway through the lull and there's a set coming, but goodbye. I've still
2: got a pedal to it. Like, I just drive around it. Dude, so coming, crazy.
1: you know what? Coming in was always the worst. Yeah. Going out, I was like, I can see what's in front of me. But that fear of, like, you're paddling in and you're doing, like, these little two-second dashes over your shoulder. And then there's me on the
2: beach with this big smile on my
1: face. Yeah, you're loving it. Yep. A board, you can pop your legs over the side, yep. let a big one go over the top. You don't whatever. have a choice on a ski. You have no choice. And you've got to get that long-ass thing down it as well. Like, oh,
2: wild. But well, ultimately impresses me when I see someone hold something ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I, I sit there and just go, how did you do that? Yes, it's, it's a very impressive skill.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yourself. it's crazy. And then the other thing that's nuts is skis are hollow. So like they get snapped in half quite often, way more often than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> you also have these things called a bung and they're just like a little piece of like plastic, like plastic rubber, really.
2: They legit used to be a cork. Like, well, we used I used to, to use corks, corks. Yeah, yeah.
1: because the fucking bungs, just rub them on they the would charge concrete. you six bucks for a bung and you would lose a bung every race. And so I'm like, why am I paying a six bucks for a bung? If you use a cork, you know it's staying in there. So frustrating. So if for whatever reason you lost your bung mid-race, those skis would fill with water and just sink. And you have foot straps, so you're attached in it. You're just literally sinking to the bottom of the ocean. What a fuck sport. I really yeah, hope it comes back. You're
2: absolutely selling it for the, for the listeners. Come and come try and try on surf skis.
1: No, I'm not saying try it. Watch it. <laughs> watch it. Yes. Watch it. It is, and that's
2: the thing. I I have that um that ultimate seat to watch all these. Mm-hmm. So working, I've worked um for Surf Life Saving Australia for 20 years, doing the, all the photos at the Australian titles, and I think last year was the most fun I've had in a very long time because it was massive at Broad Beach. And okay. so Broad it, Beach it was so the much lights. fun. Yeah
1: what is the trick to trying to capture like action you know like is there i mean you you read surf you know surf you're like an australian team competitor many times in a row so you understand like you can read waves and know oh shit it's going to be good in about 3 seconds but not right now but in terms of, like, not just surf sports, but you've shot a lot of other sport. you've shot crimes, you've shot murders, you've shot everything. You've shot Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen Wilson's shot you. Um, but, like, what is the key to capturing action? Uh, it's preempting
2: it. It's knowing, as you said, knowing what's going to happen, knowing what that will do mm. and where it's going to be. Um, it's the same with footy. You're chasing it. Mm. But you need to read what they're going to do. Um, something that really... Um, well it kind of annoys me now I'm sitting there shooting something under here beside me I hear that's someone holding their finger down on the button Mm. and then they'll go through those thousand photos and find if they got one Mm. if it was any good but the way I learned was I am that old that I was shooting on film Mm. Um, and so working for um, Harvey Allison and doing the surf life saving I was given film and every photo that I took was going to be hung in the tent so if it was out of focus, it had a big cross through it. I totally if forgot they used to have those tents. Yeah, tents are amazing. So like so 5,000 pro- people are going yeah. to look at these photos and they've got my initials above them. And like half doesn't want me to waste. And yeah. we were uh, one shot every competitor. Yeah. And so I only got one frame to do that. So like the yeah. beach flag dive,
1: yeah, oh. I shot
2: that in one frame. So oh. you got really good at timing yes. it. Like now I'll take a sequence of stuff, but I have never in my life just gone. I swear
1: so many things in life about the difference between being good and great is just having those baptism of fire moments. Yeah, Like the when Kate says hang in the tent, what that used to mean was Every event would be photographed and then at the end of your race or at the end of the carnival or whatever, in these tents, they would have hundreds and hundreds of photos hanging in like plastic sleeves and you could go through them all and see pictures of yourself racing or pictures of whatever and then buy those photos. Um, Fuck, that's so interesting. Yeah, you would have been on film. Were you ever at the Bulletin on film or was it? Oh, yeah.
2: I was printing bromides. That's right, because they had the old dark
1: room and everything.
2: Yeah, I didn't do dark room. We had a film processing machine, mm. but then I was scanning negatives and printing out the bromides, the black and whites that actually got put onto the negatives mm. in paste up. So paste up was still there when I was. was So that was really cool. I used to like when I first started. I wasn't shooting. I was I was doing bromides with yeah. the other photographers. Work. Good to learn though. Like yeah, yeah. good
1: to know. Like all that processing stuff. Like so much of that knowledge is just like. So valuable now, and it's just lost. Well, at
2: school and uni, I was it was all darker and stuff. Mm. Um, so, like, I think then using Photoshop now, I can see the colours a bit more. I mm. know because I had to. You had to do it under an enlarger, pull out a bit of magenta, and then mm-hmm. wait for it to come out of the machine, or wait for it to develop in the in the solution, and then look at it and go, oh too far. well <laughs> <go, go>, <laughs> oh,
1: that's, all, that's <laughs> a little bit too much there. A little bit too much cyan on yeah. fucking Owen Wilson's haircut. All right. Um, you're also a vivacious reader. You read... A... Never read a book
2: through high school. Never, literally never read a book. How? Um, because well, you consume... I've got a really good memory. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so then when they're talking about the book, uh, in the class, I just, that's how I pass my assignments. But that's what made me love, like, that's why I, I think it's a testament to your writing is I legit read three iterations of the same book. Before it was published,
1: and extremely insistent on that, and I'm like, it's really not ready to be seen. You are like send it to me chapter by chapter, oh, bitch. Now, yeah, now, I'm, <laughs> now
2: I'm like that. When we were just at the bully and you were printing them off, mm. I literally, I still have those. Yeah, I think I sent them to you when you first got your book published. <laughs> I had the book that I bought, and then I had about four like big like wads of paper. Yeah, they
1: were they were because ma- yeah. it was on A4, so they were massive wads of paper. Yeah. And also, yeah. we used to be on a lot of late shifts together, yeah. so it was just and like. It printed out for me and I'd, yeah, yeah. But so
2: I, I couldn't put it down, and I loved the story. And I was like, I've never been a. I read. Now, I do read now. Mm. I read a lot now.
1: But you didn't at the but time. No, not at all. What? Oh my not god! At all. I love that for me. <laughs> um, that's fucking wild because I don't know. I I guess I didn't know that about you. I just always assumed that you were like because you just consume stories like in a way that's super satisfying for somebody who writes them and spends a lot of time writing them is it's just like you, we want to give stories and books to people who are like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to dive into this. And I don't mean that in like a necessarily pretentious literary way. Someone to be like, Oh yes, well I see the analogy. I, I crave that like, you know, Oh fuck yeah! I consumed yeah. this like a popcorn blockbuster. You yeah, know,
2: mine's there's no um, uh, like sophisticated reviewing from me. It's like I can't believe you killed that person. Oh my god! Um, no, I've never. I was never a reader. I'm just a Maria Lewis fan.
1: Oh, just, uh, fucking stop it, cat! <laughs> god bless. Um, and where does it came from the deep for you? Fit in that canon like the characters and the world and everything, like it's pretty at this at the if you're going chronologically in the journey, it's pretty different pivot from Who's Afraid and Who's Afraid 2, mm-hmm. which come first. But like overall in the grand scheme of things, do you feel like it fits as part of the world? Definitely
2: because you see the, and okay, so I read your little um, the
1: sister Oh, Otherworld Sister. Yes, Guys, short story. It. Oh, yes.
2: did you? But also as like Six. like that little um, Oh, I've sacrificed myself for yeah. Was
1: Amos? Yeah, bitch. Oh, you. Yes, bitch. Yes, you're the first person to get that, or at least tell like, me no. that they got that.
2: Yeah, so yeah. I was just, I was that made me excited. I was like, yeah. oh my god, she saved Amos. Yeah,
1: sacrificed herself. reds, baby. So the other world yeah. sister, for those who don't know. It's a short story that's available for free on their website. I say short story. It's like 10,000 words. <laughs> I did one more though. I'm just saying. Oh, did you? i I'm not great, honestly, at writing short stories. Like I find it really hard. Um, I can do a feature, no dramas. A feature is like max, you know, really 2000. or what? actually I should say the features I've written on, you know, big long-term productions that have been tortured or whatever. Things like. Rain of Fire with your boy Matthew McConaughey and stuff like that. Usually there or even Punish a War Zone, they're usually between like two to 3,000 words, but they're longer form features. But my short stories always tend to be around the 10,000 word mark and I'm always like, ah! Like I find it hard because I always want to tell every part of the story and that's something that I'm trying to develop as a writer is like to work out ways I can tell like a singular event rather than the context of the whole thing. But The Otherworld's Sister is a short story that's set technically before the events of The Wailing Woman, which was my fifth book, but ties into a lot of the other books. So what the main two characters in it are Saoirse Burke, who is Sadie Burke from The Wailing Woman's older sister, and Atlanta, who is a selkie, in brackets, mermaid. And it ties in with It Came From The Deep, it ties in with The Rose Daughter, which is the next book coming up, It ties in with everything. And it ties in with a lot of Australian shit, too, because it's, like, set in North Queensland <laughs> on board a fucking cruise ship full of monsters. Um, You know, hashtag relatable. Tasmanian protein. devils. Yeah, Tasmanian yeah. devils, baby. I mean, what better analogy for the cruise ship industry than it being run by, like, bloodthirsty Tasmanian devils.
2: Um. So that was, like, I, that did tie, that ties in this world. Mm. I, it's completely different because it didn't have the Praetorian Guard, it mm. didn't have the Ascari, it didn't have yeah. all of that stuff. But it was still, for me, it was more, um, it was my world.
1: Mm. A little bit more,
2: like when I read it, and it's as I said, I was point. trying to, oh, who's that based on? Uh, when she <laughs> talks about this person, who do you think that is? And being like the trauma at the start, yeah. and being at a carnival three times where that's happened. Yeah, um, where people have
1: died in the surf and, and races. Yes, yeah, so having yeah.
2: that... Like, that was kind of my world, and then you're talking about places that I know. Yeah, and... I mean,
1: that's not so opera shit. Like, all of the event. Okay, yes, The Mermaids soap opera <laughs> shit. But, like, the stuff about, like, people dying in a race, that's real. It happens... No, it just doesn't happen once. It's happened multiple times, you know. um, The sort of, like, scandalous nature of B and C grade celebrity culture on the Gold Coast, that's real. Yeah. And the
2: paparazzi of outside of the... The hospital. I remember we'd be out there, and that because it was just in smokers' den yeah. like this. People in gowns smoking next to us, and we've got we're sitting on the concrete waiting for someone to come out. Sucked. With swine flu. Sucked. And sucked. And then being told, oh, be careful. Like, As we're going to try and interview someone with swine
1: flu. And could you imagine, like, whenever you got told to be careful, wherever you were in a genuinely it was dangerous. Was after the fact
2: though? Oh, yeah,
1: be careful. be careful. Um, but whenever you were in a genuinely dangerous situation, you still had to just fucking do it. Because trying to explain why you didn't do it to your chief of staff and your bosses. You just got reamed for it. Reamed. Shit thrown at you. Like <laughs> for real. Your your side of it was a bit more hectic than
2: our side. But yes.
1: Hectic. Hectic.
2: I'm very glad I didn't have to deal with some of the people that you did.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was a tough environment. But also it taught me a lot. You know? Like genuinely As she twitches. Taught me more. to leave journalism. <laughs> Um, no, that's so interesting what you say about like it feeling like your world well, because that is a super unique experience. I imagine majority of the people who read It Came From the Deep, this isn't their world. you know. They don't have the insight um, and the lived experience that well, you both have. Both of them
2: too. Yeah. The, the crime um, yep. scene stuff, the paparazzi stuff, and the surf stuff. So it's like you and me. It's just a crossover of you and me. Yeah, it, nice it is basically.
1: <laughs> went to become. come on. Um, in this chapter, you know, it's, it's Amos getting his face shaven for the first time and getting to see how hot he is under that gross seaweed beard and stuff. It's, um, Kaya going out and trying to milk a contact and suss out information. Yeah, love that. Love the,
2: just going in and getting the info.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of the groundwork for what's coming in the fourth, forthcoming chapters. What happens next um, this mightn't be necessarily a super event heavy chapter, but it's also crucially important because everything that comes next is based on stuff that's happening in, in chapter nine and a bunch of the groundwork, which is always the tricky thing. Cause it's like, you can never just have action beat, action beat, action beat. The best action beats have to be informed by events and informed by plot. And so it's like to get to XYZ action beat you have to do an X, you know, XYZ plot thing or you have to have a dialogue scene or you have to have a whatever.
2: But we needed to care about Amos too. And this is the exactly. chapters, this and the next one is where we get a bit of him and why do we why does she like him? Why does she feel a uh, wanting to protect him and help him if he's just this weird silver mermaid in a <laughs> lake who killed two people, like really,
1: but like in a helpful way. And like, <laughs> it a helpful
2: Eats raw fish. Like, <laughs> so
1: this serrated teeth would for real be a deal breaker for me because I'm like, how are you eating pussy with those teeth? You know what I mean? Truly, <laughs> I'm like, only neck, only raw fish. So, oh my god. Oh, fuck, that's great quip. Honestly, great quip. Co- I can, you know, obviously, we're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> um, If you found, if you were swimming in Lake Human's Lake Plots for the conventions of the story, and you came across I the moment... swim
2: in Lake Humants?
1: Would you ever swim in... No, you, you wouldn't?
2: Oh Well, it's at least um, cut like, off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cut off. It's, we it's talk fun, about that with, like, the, runs,
1: the sharks... Sure. And people genuinely like, I don't think they understand how bad it is, but
2: well, I swam my dog in the canal a lot, but I was always never Are you like, trying to get, hey, get rid of that
1: du- dog. <laughs> dawn and dusk were my things, nah. don't
2: do dawn and dusk, nah. more likely to get eaten. Yeah, um, but I'd be he had a problem with I'd throw a stick out, mm. and if he couldn't find it, he wouldn't, wouldn't come back in, mm. so I'd have to throw another stick. <laughs> so he's just swimming around. I'm like, oh, the longer you're in the water, do and sharks
1: love dogs, yeah, they're mad for them,
2: yeah. But yeah, I swam swimming in the canal a lot.
1: Uh, <laughs> he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I wouldn't swim in there. But him, fine.
2: I used to have a trip out when we were water skiing in the Narang River. Oh. Like, if they didn't come and get me quick enough, you know, when you start to then think. So you've fallen off your water. Narang River, River too. The there's Naranguva. so many little. And oh, you start to go, There's sucks. There's something touching
1: me. Get the boat back in! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck that. No, thank you. You'll block that out. Yeah no no I I mean they they used to properly swim train us in Burley Lake for years until that I, guy got eaten. Yeah
2: and do you know so this is a this is the example of our effed up newsroom <laughs> and what they would make us do is I got a phone call to go hey are you um, I was down in somewhere Mermaid or something oh, can you head over do you know where where North Burley train in the in the lake there on Jamberoo I remember that story. Like, cause I was, yeah yeah I, I um. Yeah, yeah, cool. Can you go there, just get some photos of their board training? I
1: was like, no worries. So I, you,
2: you might have even been training.
1: I was in the fucking yeah, photo. Yeah. So I rock
2: up and so all the parents are watching. So Rob's there, there's all these people. I rock up. They know me. It's my own surf club. All these people know me. So I turn up. Not not a question is asked because they know me. They know I work for the paper. They know I work for Surf Lifesaving. They're like, rock. I rock up. I'm taking photos. Yeah, cool, say hello to people. And they didn't tell okay. you what they yeah. angle of the just, story was? Just that. And so then I... Also yeah, fucked um, because
1: that's what every surf club did. Yeah, 100%. Every surf club.
2: And so I go back, I file photos, I go home, and Robin Wuth oh. calls me, and she goes, just as a heads up. Poor running, Poor fucking Woof. They were running a my, one of my photos, full page front of a lift out mm. with shark jaws <laughs> around it um, and then they were doing a full stitch up and yeah so then a full stitch up on my own club oh. being done by me
1: so rough so rough and, and they knew not to tell me what it was yeah and they also knew to send you because yeah, you're not going to get like chased it. away with a broom yeah, or, or even question as why i'm there yeah absolutely cooked because yeah that's every surf club because what would happen was when the surf was too big they were you couldn't kill children <laughs> um i think they, they definitely try tried one end of the coast yeah but you would take them to a flat surface and try and train the kids and it used to be the lakes it used to always be the lakes mm. burley lake was where north burley we would always train yeah um at north cliff we would be training on the broadwater. That's where we would go. Like Buds Beach. Or Buds Beach. Which wasn't safer in any way. And to the point where I remember Paulie fucking having to get taken to hospital. Because we would do these like sprint starts where you sprinted down the sand, grabbed your board and ran into the water. And he fucking stood on a stingray. And had to get <laughs> taken to hospital. Because it's all like this fucking shallow water. But every surf club had their lake that they would train yeah. at, you know. And... It was also really good training because you needed to be able to get proficient on a flat surface. So when there it's was good, skills work, good I mean. skills work, so then when there was surf or swell or whatever, you knew how to chase runners and you had a ride wash, which is the little current that is created at the end of somebody's surf craft. So if you can sit on the wash, you kind of get like a wee bit of a free it's like ride. Drafting
2: like in, in cycling. Exactly. You get along a
1: bit. Yeah, you get dragged along. You have to keep pace with that person as well, which is useful, but. Yeah, just honestly, like super crazy shit like that all the time. But those lakes are really dangerous. I remember surf ski training with um, Peter and James Ridley and we were at... And this was when I was still working at the Bully. So a lot of my training had to be very early in the morning or really late at night. And so I had finished a shift and I'd gotten to... This was during summer, so it didn't get like dark until we bit later and this would have been about seven o'clock and we were waiting at crime creek we had our surf skis ready to go and so james and i are like kind of close to the same age and then peter obviously was older and way more experienced than us and um he he would like lead us out we'd go down the creek blah 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 and we were paddling and um i heard james say so i was just like a wee bit back and because they were faster than me so i was always like trying to keep up with them so it was good training for me but I heard James say something to Peter and I didn't really hear what it was, but um, I was in the middle and they were just like a little bit back. And then as I turned to see what they said, they were both looking down at the water and there was a shark fin between the two of us. Like there's three of us and there's a shark fin between me and fucking Peter and James is watching it and Peter's watching it. And we're all just like watching it disappear down into the water and Fucking keep paddling. Like, See, I'm good with that. Like, in saying,
2: like, I wouldn't go in there, I've, for all this year, I've paddled a ski on the canal mm. every day. So yeah. I paddle from Broadbeach to... Because you're Wayne, above like the water, so yeah, you feel you're, safer. You're above it then. Yes.
1: Yeah. And you also have a paddle. Yeah. So I feel like you could fight it off. But they've got to get you up off, like, do they're not doing Yeah, that. nah. Bored, though? Fuck no. Because no, you're, nah, you're reaching down. i you're reaching down. Nah, I always think of that. They're going to take my arm.
2: Like, I was used to be surfing, and I'd be like... Get on top of your board you'll be fine. Yeah. It's the swimming in the, in the canals oh, no. that scares me.
1: Nah. No, no, none of it. None like, of it. Like Kaya
2: running down and just diving in and swimming out to the oh. middle where she knows that there's something that killed two
1: people. I know. It's to show her mental instability during this specific time and how trauma can manifest in new and fun ways in the story. Um, But, you know, as far as genre stories go, this is like my favourite thing to read, but my favourite thing to write also where it's like, the super grounded elements but there's also fantastical stuff and that's what i tried to have a combination of even like we were talking about the girl with the dragon tattoo books which we're both big fans of um and yes okay there's no like merman in those right or whatever but there's a lot of hyper realistic stuff in there and like that's part of the joy of reading it for me is this world of like hackers and crime and spies and espionage is it is fantasy in a way. And so getting to consume that with the mix of like Lisbeth's very specific like, you know, I hang out with the Wachowskis and a trance club kind of vibe as she navigates that world feels very lived in. But also Stuyglas and had a bunch of real life mates in his books like that always fucking tripped me out. Really? Yeah, like the boxer in the second one, Girl Who yeah. Kick the Hornet's Nest, real person. In the film, he plays himself. I did know that it was a real boxer. Super hot. In the He's film. super hot. It's got the broken nose look that I love. Oh my god, <laughs> that's something to love. <laughs> but um, he would do that. He wrote his mates into a bunch of his books. But
2: well, you drop the names. Mm. Um, in like in three years, there'll be a random last name, or there'll be a yeah, yeah. So a Jabor's always
1: Jabor, <laughs> Yeah, always got me. in <laughs> yeah. Who's Afraid? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. Um. It is. I do like, I kind of burned through names of people that I knew real quick, though, you know, because it's only ever putting in like it will be a last name, it will yeah. never be a first name. Um, and you're, you know, you're writing them, you're combining them with other elements that make sense, but yeah. you're only ever putting it in for mates, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of a shout out. Like, I had some friends who were like, um, you know, I a mate was like, oh, for my wife's birthday, do you reckon you could like just put her in like can be like a checkout clerk or whatever really? yeah and really? so in the witch who caught a death they're the murdered couple at the start <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay so i'll put you in, in the <laughs> you get killed at the start so she's a ghost who got murdered by her husband which is him so he was... and then as <laughs> a the ghost she murders him <laughs> and they were like you honor us and this year, it was Mark and Claire. Shout out to Mark and Claire. I'll put it up on the Twitter thread for this article. But um, this year for Halloween, they dressed up as the characters that I no. wrote for them. Yeah, it's so sick. You've got, some,
2: you've got some, like, when you're talking about your weird ass, like, fan people who make shit for you. Yeah, it's
1: all over like, there. We're recording this out in out my out. house, by in the way.
2: Her explosion of pop culture <laughs> yeah. that I'm sitting in.
1: I literally have um, a fan shelf, which is just full of stuff that people have... Ma- Actually, you know what? I'm going to... This is good audio, right? I'm going to bring over Walking something. away from the microphone. <laughs> so this is a thing... Now, I'll wait till I get back closer. Does that make any sense? Why am I a podcaster? So this was a thing that was made for me by... Yes, I saw it on your Instagram story yes. the other day. Yeah, Book Nerd Fangirl. And it's a pair of earrings. Now, these are people that I met through pop culture conventions... Usually whenever I'm at a Supernova or an Oz Comic Con or something like that, I know a lot of people, their mates who are making arts and crafts and things. But on my Instagram grid and Twitter, I like to do a thread of um, usually like queer, non-binary people of colour, women of colour and female small business owners who are out there selling their wares. And that's how I met these people is I'd done like a little pic of them and some shots of their product and... They sell like lots of bookie, fangirl, fanboy stuff, you know, like they do um lots of Harry Potter content, lots of Hunger Games stuff, like any, anything that has a fandom. Anyway, they sent me these earrings that they've made, which are my first six books on a pair of earrings. <laughs> so fucking which wild. Sounds really weird but they are really, really they're really cool, cool. Like, they're so it's like a stack of books and yeah. then you know it says you have all the spines of the books i'll, I'll post a picture but they're so yeah, cool because that's really yeah that's really and i've cool. actually bought these earrings not with my own books because like you know who would do that i would probably do that because i'd be like so cool but anyway i bought a pair of the same style of earrings of the vampire academy books because i really love them and i was like oh, fuck yeah i love vampire academy i'll buy those earrings you. Yeah. And then they made ones with my own shirt on it, which is so cool. And I have another pair of earrings that um, were Wailing Woman earrings that were made for me, which are like little love hearts and they have like the screaming mouth on them. Super dope. Peep. I have
2: a, I have a, um, who's afraid, wolf pin.
1: Oh yeah. Wait, is it um, like a little wolf face? Yeah. Because yeah. I do, with the enamel pins, I like to switch it up. Like once I sell out of one design... I'll try and re-up with a different design. So, like, the first, it came from the deep pins were Amos. They were, like, a little, like, I tried to do it sort of beefcake style. Yeah, so I, I drew I, this I, little Merman. I only
2: see um, uh, Aquaman. Oh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, I only see yeah. Jason Momoa. When we're talking
1: about him. <laughs> it's hard, too, because the timing was, it's like... Picture. It came from the... And Gold Coast, you know, Aquaman yeah. filmed there. It feels so Gold Coast, even though it's, like, supposed to be not that at all, but it's like you can't watch that movie and it not be Gold Coast. It just feels so Gold Coast in every way, including getting into a biffo at a bar, you know, and like the opening few scenes. <laughs> um. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited we can have you on. You've been like on my list of guests. In fact, probably like the number one guest I really wanted to get on this show because, you know, like we've spent in the past sort of like hour talking about you really do straddle So many of those lines in terms of surf culture and book fandom, but journal world as well. Um, I'm so lucky to have you as a reader all these years.
2: Yeah, well, you just got to keep giving them to me. Yeah,
1: you know, it ends at book eight, though, right? No, 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 you can't (laughs) do that to me. No, but you know, because as
2: I said, I read them, what, 12 years ago, started reading them. I legit don't remember Who's Afraid, so I've got to start again, Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2 who's still st- afraid yeah. um, to even remember all of that because Waylon was my favourite now. Yeah. I've got, I've Do got you think that's
1: recency for. bias?
2: No, I just really like the story. Yeah, me too. And I can't believe you killed him. Just
1: I know. there this got to be real stakes, baby. <laughs> that was always my big argument even with Who's like Afraid. oh like old lady, like what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, like with Who's Afraid I remember when that came out people being pretty mad about me killing off Haley and Kieran, (laughs) (laughs) Mari and Kane, like me killing them off. But I wanted to establish very early, because I knew it was gonna be a series at that point, because I'd signed for multiple books and I'd already been working on the others and going through the copy edits and stuff. But I wanted to establish early that within the conventions of this world, there would be real stakes because I would get annoyed. And there were always major character deaths in Buffy, right? Buffy's like my, probably my, you know, one of my most favorite things in the world. And um, I would get annoyed because the stakes would be super high and it would be world ending. But then you would get to these None episodes. Of those died. Yeah, you know, like you would have. Like the Thrones
2: just killed off
1: everyone. Yeah, but to, almost to its detriment, to be honest. But like you know, you had Jenny Calendar die. You had Spike die, but then he came back. You had Anya die right at the end. You know, you had Tara die, but like you didn't have Buffy's end or yeah. Willow. Like there was the or Giles. You know, stuff like that. So I really wanted to set up that you're never going to be safe. Your favorites will never be safe. You can never relax your sphincter because somebody, a main character you love, is probably going to die, and yeah, probably so going if to you, die horribly.
2: woman that hit me more I reckon than yeah.
1: Was. Well, because wailing woman's dual perspectives too. So yeah. you have it's not just like a character. It's like you're in that person's head yeah. every second chapter. So it makes it tough, but. Yeah, fuck. Oh, God. Going back and reading. Oh, I don't know if I would want to go back and start at this start. Yeah, I'm going to do it because
2: <laughs> I don't remember enough of it to... Like, it was so long ago. Mm. Like, you know that I've, I've bought the books and never opened them. Yeah. You opened yep. it to sign it. Yep. It's a, yeah.
1: That's it, yeah. Actually, the last time we caught up, I was fucking signing a book contract. Do you remember we were at... Um, the was? Chargers? no because we went to after that I love cha every time on the gold coast cha is an essential trip my favorite restaurant in the gc right people will go there and be like ew this place is kind of a shithole but the best food and the so best good. service and just the people is so good um but that we used to do like a weekly journo photographer dinner good. at Char yeah girls like the boys yeah um that just fucking ruled it was so good um no we were at that uh, West Burley Cafe that yeah, used yeah, to that's be the, the butcher. The floor, that's where you signed yeah. Who's Afraid? Yeah. <laughs> Which um in it, it came from the deep is the Ninja Turtle Cafe. So like <laughs> where that, that physical location and the layout is is the Ninja Turtle Cafe. It all comes full circle. But um but yeah like thank you thanks so much for being there from the beginning. Started from the bottom now we're here <laughs> bye
0: it Came From The Deep is a narrative podcast series based on the novel from best-selling author Maria Lewis, read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. New chapters release every week with bonus episodes dropping in between with Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of one Heat minute productions. If you think aquatic humanoids deserve rights to, please like, subscribe and share with your mates.